Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada's Truth in Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here today again. And you know, we've got a special program today. We, we, we're bringing back a friend, actually, who uh, spent time with Isaac Dagno of In Doubt, our millennial ministry, and talked about his conversion from, from being a Muslim to being a Christian. And his name is Rafiq Dowji. And Rafiq, Rafiq is a wonderful man. He's going to share his testimony a little bit. Uh, his background right now is that he works for the Salvation Army as a, uh, a caseworker and a chaplain uh, in downtown Vancouver. Uh, but he comes with a lot of wonderful experience, and I know you're going to be blessed as you hear his testimony. Uh, so, John, but we want to start out by going where we usually go to. When you take us to the Word. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. You know, one of the things that every one of us have difficulty with is that we're afraid that someone's going to say to us, so you're saying that your religion is right and every other religion is wrong. And that's, you know, that's the elephant in the room, if you will, when we talk about somebody who converted from Islam to Christianity. Um, many people have difficulty in sharing their faith because they're afraid of that one question. So I'm going to take you to the Word, to the most popular place in the entire Bible, John 3.16. I want to read it, and then I want to say a couple of things about it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, if you're listening carefully to all the, the verses that I've read, I mean, you already heard that there are a number of places where condemnation is being expressed. So let me take you back to them again. In verse 16, whoever believes should not perish. The implication, we're perishing. That's why you want to believe. It's the antidote to perishing. And then you have after that condemnation. In fact, what verse 18 says, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, watch the words, is condemned already. That is, has already been condemned. So here's the answer to the question of whether or not Christians say that we're right and everyone else is wrong, and unless you believe the way we do, you're going to be condemned. It's not what the Bible said, is it? The Bible actually says that every single human being is condemned already. We're already perishing. Imagine, if you will, you go to a doctor and you have cancer and it's untreatable, but the doctor informs you that, you know, a new treatment has just been devised and we're going to be able to heal you entirely. Imagine the individual who gets his, you know, knickers in a knot, if you will. And he says, you know what, so you're saying that unless I take your treatment, I'm going to die. That's very narrow-minded. And the doctor then would respond by saying, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're going to die because you have cancer. And this is what the Bible actually says. We're actually dying. We're actually condemned because we've sinned against God. Every single human being, no matter who you are, no matter which religion you belong to, no matter which God you pray to, you have sinned against the great creator, the only God that exists. Listen, it's God's world. He calls the shots. God owns us. He owns everything. And he calls every human being to an accounting. 
One of the reasons we're guilty before God is because we fail to be grateful for everything that God has done for us. Another sin that we've done against God is that we've broken his commands. We have violated the way in which he has called upon us to live, and we are guilty before God. God's righteous by nature, and in his righteous nature, he calls us to account. The entire human race, if you will, is like the voyage of the damned. We're all moving towards judgment day, and God will judge us for everything that we've done. You know, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. And in the book of John, and in fact, all of John's writings, he uses the world in a very unique way. I'm going to take you to, uh, to 1 John chapter 2 and just listen to how John uses the term world. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, if we had time, I'd show you there are a number of things that are essential to an understanding of how the word world gets used in John. John doesn't talk about the world like everybody in the world, but rather the systems of the world. Money, sex, and power is what makes the world go around. It's about getting things for myself, the pleasure that I can have in this life, the money that I can have so that I can set my own course in life and the power I can exercise over others. We've all acted in a worldly fashion and therefore we stand condemned before God. Here's the good news. All the religions of the world talk about getting right either with God or with ourselves or whatever it is. They all know there's something wrong. Islam as well talks about the essential nature of getting right with Allah. But here's the issue. There is not a religion in the world that will tell you how you can be sure that your sins are forgiven except Jesus himself. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in the son who has the cure for the fatal disease that we have. See, we're proclaiming Jesus as the cure for the condemnation that we already have. We're all condemned already, but God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that the sin question can finally and ultimately be settled so that we can know with certainty that we have eternal life and that we're not going to be condemned in the last day. That's the good news of the gospel. So again, let me make sure that we understand. If someone says, so you're saying, unless I believe the way that you do, that I'm going to hell. My response to that is, no, no, that's not the issue. You're going to hell as we all are because we've sinned against God. We need a cure. And Jesus Christ is the cure for a fatal illness that every human being has. Take the cure. Take the life that he offers. Don't resist him. Open up your heart wide to him and he will take control of your life and he will forgive every single sin that you have and he will present you whole before God so that you can know for certain that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven. That's the gracious gift of the gospel. It's unique to the Christian faith. No other religion in the world makes the proclamation that God loved the world enough to send his son. What great news. Let's never be ashamed of that.
Hey, welcome back to Truth and Life today with Dr. John Newfeld. And uh, John, we got a special guest. We do. Today. I'm, and we're, I'm excited. We're excited to have Rafiq Dowji with us today. Rafiq, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Now, Rafiq, this isn't the first time Back to the Bible has uh, had a relationship with you. Uh, we have a ministry called In Doubt, which is our millennial ministry. And uh, you uh, spent some time on a podcast with Isaac Dagno. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you, uh, if you want to hear more about that, uh, you can go to indoubt.ca and uh, hear the interview between Isaac and Rafiq. And uh, there, you'll probably go into some more detail. I think, as I recall, you go into more historic detail and that kind of thing than what we're going to do today. But we want to really talk about, well, first of all, I think the exciting thing to talk about is we want to hear a little bit about your personal testimony. Sure. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so share that with us. Sure. Uh, so, so I was born in Tanzania, East Africa, and I was brought up uh, as a Muslim in a, in a Muslim family. Yeah. Uh, since we are children, or since you know, childhood days, we are sent to Madrasa. It's our uh, Quranic school, Islamic school. And so we learn how to read the Quran, teach us how to pray, memorize the chapters. Until the age of uh, around 15 and 16, I was fully devoted to my religion, doing everything, everything that I need to practice, prayer, fasting. And it was during that time uh, I started to ask a question in my heart because then, you know, we have prayers and every time you pray, you, you finish your prayer with a minute of intercession, asking, you know, as God, this is what I want and this is what I need from you, uh, what we call as requests, you know. And so we bow down and one of my requests started to be, God, I want to know you. Um, never read the Bible at that time until, you know, uh, I went to then medical school. During the time between my desire to search God and going to medical school in my country, I developed frustration, mm. anger, anxiety. And uh, I just, just didn't know why this was happening to me. And um, as a result of that, uh, I was put on some medication when I was in medical school. And I was kind of uh, put on ben benzodiazepines, just kind of relieving my anxiety and everything. And there was this one professor, my, who was my professor, who was the psychiatrist, and uh, who used to treat me. Uh, that was, he had just come out of the chapel. That was 17th of February, 1980. Yeah. And he said, Rafiq, buy me a Coca-Cola. I'll tell you about Saul of Tarsus. Now, as a Muslim, we know about the prophets, yeah. we know about Abraham, we know about Moses, but I never knew who's this Saul of Tarsus. Who's this Saul of Tarsus? So I got, I got kind of um, interested, yeah. and I said, yeah, yeah let's, I'll buy you a Coca-Cola, tell me whoever, who, who this man is. And so we sat in a cafeteria in a medical school, and he opened the Bible. And at that time, I didn't know what he was opening to, but now I know it was the book of Acts chapter 9. Now, if you read the book of Acts chapter 9, you come to this story about how Saul, who persecuted the Christians, you know, encountered Jesus. When I read the name of Jesus, at that moment I asked this question, Allah, is there any truth in this Jesus? Like, the, the reason I asked that question was all these years, I always wanted a connection with God, yeah. you know, and, and, and when, when, when I read, when I asked that question upon reading the name of Jesus, there was a miraculous revelation I got. 
I can't explain, it's hot. There were no sounds, no earthquakes, nothing, no voices. <laughs> but I just fell in love with that name and I thought that name was alive. Yeah. I closed the Bible and I asked the doctor, the professor, I said, uh, his name was Dr. Sam. I said, how do you become a Christian? And of course, then came the whole message of the gospel. I didn't understand. I met with him at night and he put on a Billy Graham cassette. <laughs> and I listened to this Billy Graham cassette and I said, okay, that's fine, you know. And then I left his home and, and as, I, as, I, as, I, as I left his home, I stopped, I turned around and I told the doctor, I have found God. Amen. That was the turning point of my life. My life had never been the same from that point onwards. And, I, and the next day I wanted a Bible and I started reading the Bible. And it looked like every word was written for me in the Bible. Now we have always read the Quran, that is in Arabic and understood quite a bit of it. But when I started reading the Bible, it was like, this was for me. Where was, where was it all these years? And my life started to change. You know, I, I, I started to encounter the love of God and the presence of God through the scriptures yeah. and, and, and the things that I love to do and things that I, I, I was, you know, in sin and in darkness and the things that I did as a, as a young, you know, as a 22 year old, suddenly I didn't want it to do any longer. I started attending chapel, churches. It's, it's an amazing yeah. thing because, you know, when, uh, uh, Thank, thank you. I yes. mean, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, what I'm really impressed with is the power of the Word of God. And I know, John, that's, I know you feel that way. Mm -hmm. I know you preach that way. But, but it really does encourage me to know that uh, there's a testimony here of somebody that's saying, you know what? The Word of God is alive and it spoke to me. And yes. we need to encourage people that the Word of God is alive. Yeah, I think we want to put together constantly this idea that the Word of God and the Spirit of God are in concert with each other. So clearly what you're saying, saying is that the Spirit of God was drawing you already. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that you engaged right away yeah. when, uh, yeah. when your prof said, have you heard of Saul of Tarsus? Yes. And you wanted to know. That already is the Spirit of God. Yes. But the very fact that when you began to read. The Word was there. The Word is there. The Bible was in front of me and the name of Jesus was there. And the Holy Spirit was there. Yeah. And right there, it's like the power of transformation was just there. Touching yeah. me and revealing to me who Jesus was. And the encouragement is that there was an individual that took the time to lead you to God's Absolutely. Word. And then God's Word spoke for itself through the Spirit. And that's a great encouragement. You know, we're going to talk more in just a few minutes. And we're going to hear a little bit about uh, just a general understanding of, of Islam. Sure. But also, how do we build bridges? What are effective ways to build bridges so we can mm -hmm. share the gospel sure. uh, with, our, with our Muslim brothers? Uh, join us again in just a few minutes, just after this break. Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life today with uh, Dr. John Newfeld. And we have our special guest, Rafiq Dauji. And Rafiq, it's great to have you here. Now, a little bit about Rafiq. Uh, you grew up Muslim. You gave your life to the Lord through the reading of his word and the moving of his spirit. And uh, right now, you work for the Salvation Army as a, as a caseworker and chaplain with the Salvation Army. And we're so grateful to have heard your testimony, uh, the power of that testimony. But, but I know there's more things we want to talk about. John, you wanted to talk about the Word in respect to the Koran as well. Yeah, I mean, I was very interested, Rafiq, in what you had to say. So let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Um, 
the reading of scripture for the first time. Now, I mean, those of us that don't read Arabic but have read the Quran right. see it as a very difficult book. That's true. And it doesn't have a sense of coherence and flow to it. That's true. So if you spend, let's say, a half an hour reading the Quran and even five minutes in one of the Gospels, right. I mean, the Gospels just boom. I mean, they read so easily and engagingly right. and follow a coherent train of thought. That's true. Comments on that? Yeah, sure. So the Quran, um, first of all, the Quran is put in, in, in like the, 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 the shortest, you know, and to, you know, to the longest, yes. right? So that's how the Quran is put. It's not put in a chronological manner, mm. right? And, and, and so there are lots of repetitions throughout and the lots of uh, historical details are scattered mm. in different places of the Quran. But when we read the scripture, the word of God, you know, the Bible, you know, we find that we can understand chronologically the whole histories from creation, you know, the plan of salvation all the way, you know, um, till the book of Revelation. But whereas in the Quran, it's very, very difficult, okay. you know, to, to, to understand uh, what am I reading? Might be reading certain portions. Yeah, so if I can mm. jump in here yes. then. So, you know, as we're gonna talk about, I know, right. Ben, we're gonna talk about the whole idea of how does one share the gospel yeah. with a Muslim? Uh, is it a good place to start by simply saying to someone, you know, here's the book of Mark, Absolutely. begin to read this, right? Absolutely, as far as I know, uh, um, more of the Muslims who have turned to Christ is a result of them starting to read the Bible. Sure. You know, give the Bible. You know, I have uh, given a lot of Bibles to Muslims. That's where I, I, I start. I'll share my testimony. And I said, this is what Jesus has done. And then I would give a Bible. And, and, and so I know there's a lady right now in the Salvation Army uh, who uh, was born a Muslim, right? And uh, she turned her life to Christ because of just reading the Bible, yeah. reading the Bible. And I recently gave her a Persian Bible, you know, uh, and because she wanted to read the Bible in Persian. And so uh, the, the Bible is the most powerful tool in opening the eyes of a Muslim. As many Muslims who have tried to criticize the Bible and when they start to read, they find truth in it, their lives are changed, and they turn their life to Christ. And, and they do have a receptivity to Jesus. I mean, they're not, they don't deny who, oh, who Jesus absolutely. is. Their definition is a bit different than ours, perhaps. But Jesus is not an offensive thing. Oh, absolutely. Jesus is scattered everywhere. Like, they know so much about Jesus in the Bible. One, the, the Surah Al-Maryam, the chapter on Mary. There's no other women mentioned in the, in the, in the Quran, but Mary is yeah. mentioned. A whole chapter. And my mother and, 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 and some of my, my aunts, when they were pregnant, they said, every day we used to read the chapter of Mary. And right there we have Jesus, uh, his birth, his virgin birth in the Bible. You know, Jesus the Christ is mentioned in the Bible. Jesus being the word from God in the, yeah. in the Quran. Uh, Jesus the spirit of Allah. You know, Jesus who's going to be the sign of the hour. He's the sign of judgment. And so Jesus is scattered. His name is all over the place. Yeah. And they honor him. And there's a very special place of Jesus in the Quran. Yeah. But it all comes to a crashing halt, I think, yes. when we talk about the person of Jesus and who he actually yeah, yeah. is, right? Absolutely. Um, I have a memory very much like that of sharing with a Muslim couple. Right. She started reading the, the New Testament. Okay. And, um, and so her husband in this conversation says, yes, but, but the Bible doesn't say he's the son of God. 
And she, who had started to read, said, oh, honey, let me show you where it says that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was very interesting to me, yes. but that's where the ultimate divide. Yeah, so there's the, the, the big question that the Muslims always have is that did the Heavenly Father, did God have a relationship with Mary, you know, in order to give birth to Jesus? And that's a complete uh, a wrong interpretation they have in their mind about Jesus not being able to understand what it means to be the Son of God. You know, for us, we know it's a spiritual relationship that Jesus had with the Father, mm -hmm. God. But according to the Muslim mind and what the Quran says, they think that it is that like, how could God have a relationship, yeah. you know, with a woman, yeah. you know, and that's blasphemous for them. Okay. And that's where there is a misunderstanding. And so in sharing the gospel with the Muslims, I always say, pray. You know, secondly, you know, befriend them in a, in a real way. And then the thirdly is to help them understand that, that what you understand about Jesus being the son of God, it's not the way that we believe. The second big problem is they think we believe in three gods, right? We don't. Jesus clearly said the Lord our God is one God, yeah. you know, and so we believe in one God, the creator of heaven and earth, right? although we believe in the Trinity, right? Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we believe in three gods. Yeah. We still believe in one God. Now, if I could just interject as well yes. and to say, one of the things that you've talked about is how easy it is to have a conversation about God with a Muslim. Right. And for a lot of Canadians, that's a, yeah. you know, we think that having a conversation about God, somehow we've got to edge our way sideways into that conversation, not so with a Muslim, yes? Yes, absolutely. If you meet a Muslim, they would love to talk with you about their faith. And so feel free to share about your faith because it, we have so much things in common. We believe in one God. We believe in God as a creator. We have the same root, Abraham. You know, you know and they talk about Ishmael. We talk about Isaac. And remember what, 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 what uh, uh, they, they prayed, oh, that Ishmael might receive a blessing. You know, there was the prayer, right? And, and so... And so we need, we have a common root and we have so many things in common. We believe in fasting, we believe in prayer, we believe in, in men being possessed by demons, we believe in darkness, we believe in judgment, right? We believe in, in the coming of Jesus. So we have so many things common and we need to talk about that. Yeah. You know, and we need to start there and they would be really be interested. When I tell a Muslim that I fast, they said, really? You do? I said, of course. You think you're the only ones who <laughs> you know, and they get surprised, right? Yeah. One of the most common thing is I asked them about the problem of sin, and they are really interested in it. So I give a Muslim time. I said, tell me, how do you deal with a sin problem? And they'll tell me about 30 minutes, and then I tell them. And, and, they, they, and most of them are really, is that that your sins could be completely be forgiven? I said, yes, wow. Jesus completely forgives our sin, whereas a Muslim is not sure whether his sins can be forgiven. And so, you know, they have so many things to talk about. They struggle with immorality. They, str they know drunkenness is wrong. They know immorality yeah. is wrong. They know abortion is wrong. Yeah. They know that life is sacred and we can have so many things common to share with the Muslim, and there will be a great opportunity to Amen. share the gospel. Amen. You know, I feel yeah. like we've just scratched the surface in some respects, but I think what we really want to encourage people is there is an incredible opportunity 
to share the good news of Jesus Absolutely. Christ with Muslims whenever we come into contact. And we want to encourage uh, you to do that as well. And Rafiq, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, John. And in a few minutes after this next break, we'll come back with Dr. Neufeld. So join us in just a moment right here on Truth and Life Today. Hi, welcome back to Truth and Light today with Dr. John Newfeld. We do want to certainly thank Rafiq Dauji for being with us and sharing his word of testimony and encouragement. And John, I was thinking as he was talking, you know, just how important it is that we, we acknowledge the opportunity that God has given us with so many Muslims coming into our country. Yeah, you know, uh, Ben, uh, I think the Bible makes it very clear that not only God is sovereign, but he's meticulously sovereign. Yeah. He controls every last detail. And we've got to believe that if, as the book of Acts tells us, that he moves the nations according to his will, then we've got to believe that so many Muslims have come to this nation by the will of God. So rather than being afraid, perhaps we should embrace this and also recognize we would never have been able to and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with a Muslim if he had or she had stayed in his or her own country. Yeah. But God, by his grace, has brought them here. So let's do what he's told us to do. Instead of being fearful, let's be open, welcoming, gracious, hospitable, and sharing the good news of Jesus. So, so share with me maybe a couple of things that, that you feel comfortable doing uh, to share the gospel with, with folks that are Muslim. Yeah, I would say, first of all, you know, say, I'd love to have you over. I'd like to tell you about Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know, we would almost never say that yeah, with that, you know, with a, a native-born Canadian, we'd yeah. say, they're never gonna show. I promise you, in most cases, a Muslim will show. They respond to hospitality because I've been to the Middle East and Islamic culture is hospitable culture, yeah. responds well to inviting folks into our home. Yeah. And then secondly also, to be very open about our intention. Let's do that. Let's share the story about Jesus. You know, one of the things I was so encouraged about while Rafiq was talking was how the Word of God impacted him when he began to read it. Amen. Yeah, uh, Rafiq did a great job of welcoming us to a greater understanding of how to share the gospel to Muslims. And remember to join us again next week. We're so grateful for you joining us. And if you want to see any of our past episodes, you can go on our website as well. And all of our contact information will be, will be shown to you at the end of the show. So thanks again. Look forward to seeing you next week right here on Truth and Life Today. <music>